book of John, the sixth chapter, uh, Jesus has been saying some pretty radical things, um, and, and in so doing has alienated a lot of those who claim to be his followers. And I, I put it that way because just because uh, you believe that Jesus is a good person doesn't make you his follower. And just because you believe that he uh, did miracles doesn't make you his follower. And there were a lot of people following Jesus because, for instance, every once in a while they got a free meal. Uh, and, and sometimes they followed Jesus just because they wanted to see what he would do next or, or, or what he would say next. He, he was almost like an entertainer. He, not that he was all that dynamic or that he was good to look at, but, but he was intriguing. And there are a lot of people today who, who claim to be followers of Jesus who really don't follow him. They just find him intriguing. And they like to come to, to church and hear what his word says because it, it's comforting and it, it's encouraging. And it, it is. But Jesus is calling for something more. So on this particular day, Jesus had said this, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And you can hear people say, what, what, what did he say? Eat his flesh and drink his blood? What's he saying? And then we come to verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Well, yeah. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. And from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, would later betray him. May God add God's blessing, the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. You're going to want to have your Bibles open this morning. And just so you know, I, d I have not become holier this week. Um, although it may look that way, that's only because the trustees have put in some new light bulbs um, to try to help me out. As I get older, it gets harder to read, uh, and uh, they have done that graciously. And, and I'm encouraging them to put them all the way out there so that you don't feel the need to kind of doze off in the lesser light. Um, I, 
that wouldn't happen, of course. Uh, this morning, as, as we begin our, our, our reflection on the Scripture, um, I, I just want to note that, you know, there are a lot of flesh eaters in this world. Um, there are uh, plants that eat flesh. I, one of the most incredible plants in my mind is the uh, Venus flytrap. Isn't that wild? How it catches flies? I mean, to me, that's just kind of cool. And uh, certainly eats the flesh of the flies. And, and then, you know, there are other animals that eat flesh. Um, for instance, crocodiles and, and um, um, uh, yeah, sharks. And just think about that next time you go to Prescott, you don't have to worry about sharks and alligators. Uh, uh, <clears throat> but there are a lot of other things that eat flesh. Even bacteria can eat flesh and uh, um, it's nasty. It's ugly looking when it happens. But uh, a lot of things eat flesh. Human beings eat. I eat flesh. I, I like uh, meat. Uh, I'm a meat eater. Some of you I know don't eat meat. That's fine. Uh, but I, I enjoy a, a nice big juicy venison steak and uh, looking forward to that this year. Um, but uh, we, we eat flesh. However, we have been told and we know and we do not eat the flesh of each other, right? I mean, that's just gross and disgusting. We're not cannibals. Uh, we know that that's not right. Uh, we know that human life is sacred, and, and we certainly don't want to eat each other. Um, and, and so when we come to this passage this morning, uh, you can understand why uh, the disciples are kind of taken aback by what Jesus said. As a matter of fact, today there are some people who suggest that Christians are cannibals because exactly what this says. Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And, and, and so they say, see, if you're going to follow what Jesus says, then you have to be a cannibal. Well, I don't believe that's what Jesus is saying here. Now, there are brothers and sisters in Christ that believe that when we sit around the table, the bread actually turns into the body of Christ, and the blood actually turns, I mean, the cup or the juice actually turns into the blood of Christ. I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. I believe when you ate that bread, it was still bread, and when you drank that juice, it's still juice. I don't believe that for a lot of reasons, one of which is um, when I taste the bread, it tastes the same as when I eat it out of the loaf. It doesn't seem to change. And when I drink the juice, it doesn't taste any different. But I also don't believe that because I don't believe we're cannibals at all. I don't believe that's what Jesus was trying to say. Now, stick with me because I want you to hear clearly. We've been going through the book of John, right? Has anybody noticed that? Uh, We've been going through the book of John here. And as we go through the book of John, what we discovered is Jesus is continually giving new perspectives on, on, on Scripture and on what's happening in their lives, right? For instance, let me give you an example. Um, when, when John the Baptist came, he baptized people with water, right? The, the baptism of repentance, he called it. When Jesus shows up, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But he also says, This is the one who is to come after me who will baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit. Now, for us, that's like, okay, so you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. What's the big deal? But you have to understand, the big deal is what, the, what that means is that the Holy Spirit will come and live within you, come over you. I love that, that song, that new song we sang today. Sweep over my soul. Sweep over you and give you what? We sing peace, joy, love, filling. You, you see, and, and so when, when we say that the Holy Spirit comes and bapt, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's just an incredible image. It's different than being baptized with water. You with me? 
Uh, well, let, me, let me do this one. Maybe this one will help you a little more because this is a little more to the point. Uh, you remember the, the, the teacher of the law who came and talked to Jesus? You remember that one, right? That was a, a couple weeks ago. And J- Jesus said, you must be born again. <laughs> and the teacher of the law says, wait, wait a minute. What are you talking about? I can't get back in my mother's womb. I mean, that's, that's crazy, Jesus. You're, you're crazy. Jesus said, no. It's not crazy. You have to be born of the water and of the spirit, or the blood, I'm sorry, of the blood and of the spirit. So he's talking about natural birth, and he's talking about spiritual birth. You with me? Okay, so when we come to this passage, we could go on. I mean, he talks about uh, worship and, and spirit, worshiping God in spirit when he talks to the woman by the well. You remember that too? So, so what you see is John is helping us to see through Jesus as Jesus opens this up that we have a new perspective when we're in Christ. And that's a spiritual perspective. When we get to this passage, when Jesus says, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Of course, the disciples and, and the people standing around are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. How are we going to eat his fl- actual flesh and, and drink his blood? This guy is nuts. When we get to the, the passage that we read, you'll notice in particular down in verse 60, 63. This is why you want to have your Bibles open. If you look with me down in verse 63, it says this, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are what? Spirit. Their life, okay? What I want you to hear is Jesus is trying to get the disciples to see. It's not that you actually eat the physical body and drink the physical blood. It's a spiritual moment where the Spirit of God comes upon you, and it's as if you were eating of Jesus, making him a part of your life. When you take that piece of bread and eat it, it becomes a part of you, right? When you drink that that little cup of juice, that juice becomes a part of you. When you partake of that believing in Jesus Christ, then you partake of him in your life. It becomes spiritual food, as it were. It's not actually the body and blood. It's a symbol of the body and blood in a spiritual sense so that we recognize, hey, just as I'm taking this piece of bread and eating it, so I want Jesus to be a part of my life. And just as I'm taking this piece of, or this cup, I'm remembering what Jesus has done for me, and I want him to be, what, a part of my life. You are partaking of the body and blood of Jesus Christ in a spiritual sense. You with me? Now, that's my introduction, and our time's up. Our time's not quite up, because there's a couple things I want you to see about that. So... As we look at this passage, we realize Jesus is talking in a spiritual sense. And so we have to understand it in light of a spiritual sense. As a matter of fact, you'll notice that in uh, verse 61, uh, Jesus asked him, does this offend you? Well, of course they're offended because they were taking it in a natural sense instead of a spiritual sense. He says, what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? Well, they were all about Jesus revealing himself as the Son of God. They were all about that. They were excited about that. It was every time he talked about his death that they didn't like it. That's when they became offended. But what Jesus wants them to understand is that the gospel is just as much about his death as it is about his resurrection. Because as a result of his death on the cross, we then are forgiven. And as a result of his resurrection, we then have eternal life. Let me tell you how this plays out in our lives, okay? How many of you ate breakfast this morning? Raise your hand if you ate breakfast. I think more of you ate breakfast this morning than first service. How many of you plan to eat lunch? Okay, good. How many of you plan to eat tomorrow? Really? 
Now, the reason I ask you that question is because if Jesus is our spiritual food, then shouldn't we be eating him? In other words, we should be partaking of Jesus daily. He should be a part of our lives. As a matter of fact, he is our life, the scripture says. Let me show you how this plays out. Uh, first of all, the disciples, uh, when Jesus confronts them, the disciples say, uh, Peter says, we believe and know that you are what? The Holy One of God, verse 69. The Holy One of God. What's he saying? We believe that you're the Son of God. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you are partaking of Christ, that means that you believe that the power of God is available in your life. That's an incredible thing. When Jesus walked this earth, he did some really wild things. He walked on water. He fed the 5,000. He caused the lame to walk, the blind to see. He, he transformed people's lives. He gave them hope. Do you understand if the power of God is available to you every day, tomorrow morning when you get up, you partake of Jesus and you say, I believe that the power of God is available in my life today. Would that change the way you face the day? When the struggles of life come, when you stop and say, I see that struggle, but I partake of Jesus Christ and the power of his life is available to me today. They say that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Jesus is really the most important meal of the day. But if you eat the right things at breakfast, you will better survive the rest of the day, right? If you partake of Jesus and his power the first thing in the morning, you will survive the rest of the day much better. But it's not just his power. When you, when you partake of Jesus, you partake in his sacrifice. You know how important that is? Because what that means is that God loved you so much that he was willing to give his life, his son's life, his only son's life for you. That's an incredible gift. And if that's a part of your life, no one can ever tell you that God doesn't love you. As a matter of fact, when trials come and you begin to question whether God really cares for you, stop a minute and say, wait a minute, I know that Jesus died on the cross for me. And if he died on the cross, that proves God's love for me. No matter what happens the rest of my life, I know God loves me. And if you know God loves you, that's going to transform your life. You see, if you partake of Jesus every day and say, Jesus, thank you for loving me, how is that going to affect the way you relate to other people? One of the problems in our world today is we live with a bunch of people who feel like nobody loves them and nobody cares. And because of that, Lee, it's the truth. And because of that, Lee, people walk around and they, they're only concerned about themselves because they said, if nobody else is going to love me, I've got to prove that I can be loved or that I'm lovable. Or they go around and say, if you're not going to love me, then I'm not going to love you. But if Jesus is in your life, then you know you're loved. And once you know you're loved, it's incredible. You can share that love with everybody else. And no matter what people do to you, say about you, think of you, you walk away saying, yes, but I know I'm loved. You with me? If Jesus is a part of your life, you not only know the power of him being the son of God, you know the love of his sacrifice for you, and you also know the hope of eternity. Jesus said, you take this, do this until I come to take you home. Isn't that incredible? You, you see, as a believer in Jesus Christ, there's always hope. I know I say that over and over again, don't I? But that's because it's so true. And so if you're partaking of Jesus, when people come along and say, you're hopeless, or there's no hope in that, or there's no hope for them, or there's no hope for her, or there's no hope in this world, you can stop and say, oh, no, 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 no. 
Jesus, my Jesus, rose again from the dead. And he said if he, was gonna, if he rose again from the dead, he would come and take me to be with you. There is always, with him, I'm sorry, there is always hope. You see what a difference partaking of Jesus makes in your life? Now, a couple things really quickly because we've got to get done. But, but I want you to hear two other things real quickly. I want you to hear, first of all, that God is the one who invites you to partake of Jesus Christ. You see, all this started in the heart of God. Did you notice that verse where Jesus says, this is why I told you that no one can come to the Father unless the Father has enabled him? No one can come to unless the Father has enabled him. And you know what God did? God sent his son to enable everyone to come to him. He offered that gift to everyone. That invitation's open to everybody. He, he opens it to the table. You can come. Partake of my love and my grace. You can come. But here's the catch, see. Just because you're chosen doesn't mean you have chosen him. Stick with me. Jesus said this. He says, you know, I picked all these disciples. And some people say, oh, Jesus, you really blew it. <laughs> you picked those disciples. And they say, Jesus must have made a mistake. Look at some of the disciples he picked. In particular, look at the one, Judas Iscariot. They say, Jesus must have made a mistake. Jesus didn't make a mistake. He made a point. The point is, he chose every one of these motley crew, 12, he chose them. No one else would choose them. As a matter of fact, that's why they were fishing. They weren't chosen to be a part of a, a religious school group. They were the unchosen. He picked them. But just because he picked them didn't mean they picked him. And they followed him and they listened to him. But we know of one in particular who decided not to choose Jesus. His name was Judas. Judas. And Jesus makes that very clear. So here's, here's the bottom line. Okay? God, this morning, in his love, welcomes you to the table and welcomed you there. And he wants to choose you. He, he brought you here. He's glad you're here. The question is, are you going to choose him? If you choose him or have chosen him already, then you partake of Jesus every day and he should be evident in your life, and you should not be offended by his sacrifice, and you should be excited about his resurrection, and you should be looking for his power in your life. If, however, you have not chosen him yet, let me just encourage you to do so, because not choosing him means that you are outside of his grace, outside of his love, and until you say yes to him, you are outside of the hope of eternal life. And you and I both know that the opposite of life is death. And spiritual death is forever being separated from the love of God for all eternity. I don't want that for you. God doesn't want that for you. But only you can make that decision. You see, the choice is yours. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for our time together this morning and for your incredible love and grace. Thank you for this, this, your word and the power of it. Thank you that you give us the opportunity to partake of you every day. 
to make your life our lives. To walk through this world watching your power and experiencing your love and sharing your hope. Lord Jesus, we pray for those this morning who have not chosen you. We pray that they'd accept your invitation today. That they would say yes to you. And find the wonder of life that we've experienced following you. For we know, Lord, there's no one else that has the words of eternal life. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.